they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? he asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, Send us to the pigs, so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about two thousand rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, Go home to your own people, and report to them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for twelve years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had, and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, 
people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him, except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him, and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was twelve years old. At this they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this, and told them to give her something to eat. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, are grateful for moments like this. We're grateful that we can come together uh, and to meet in your presence and to worship you and to laugh. Uh, to cry, whatever it is that you want to do. We're, we're, we're in your presence, and so we stand here in recognition that you are not a God that's far, but you are a God that's near. And so we come before you and ask that you would have your way with us this morning, that you would give us eyes to, to see Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear your voices. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. How are you? Hi, Dad. Welcome back. How was Louisiana? Yes. Kelly's much nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I've been better weather. Uh, just, just want to say thank you to y'all. Uh, in the spirit of the South, y'all. Um, we, you know, we've, 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 like the the story of Reunion Church goes back about about four years uh, to when we, uh, my wife and I, you know gathered a few um, of us together and, and, and started this thing. <laughs> and, you know, when we started this thing, we had really, I mean, we had a lot of dreams and aspirations, and goals and strategies and all that. But the one thing that we came back to over and over again is we just, we believe that the church is best expressed when it's family. When it's done as family, where it's not just an ex- Sunday experience, it's not just another thing on your schedule, but it's family. Um, and what that means is, um, uh, no matter how hard it gets, no matter if you disagree, no matter if you fight with somebody, um, uh, that we do this together and that we're committed together because a healthy family is through it thick and thin, aren't they? Um, in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, in rich and poor. Uh, now I'm just doing vows. But, but. This, this to me is, um, if there's one thing that I, I could say that I would love for us as a church to always hold on to, it's, it's that. That we, that we see this place as our family. It doesn't matter where we meet. It doesn't matter what, what, where we go, wherever God leads us, whatever, whatever changes around us that we would always recognize. It doesn't matter. Those are just, those are just things. We're family, and that never changes. Um, we have relationships that hold together through thick and thin. Are you with me? Thank you, Deggy, for your vulnerability. Um, you, we need to um, honor Deggy today, and we're going to. 
we're going to honor this man, probably blessing. We're going to, and we'll pray over them too, as Tori as well. Um, Deggy is one of the most faithful, loyal people this church has seen. Um, and he does it quietly. He does it behind the scenes. But he is someone that uh, uh, loves this church and loves this community so much. Uh, and, you know, the way he builds into our worship, the way that he shows up, um, even through probably one of the hardest weeks he's had in a couple of years. Faithful man right there, who I look to. Love you. Okay? Um, we can do that all day. I can do that. I can go around the room and just say, thank you, the people in this room. I love you guys. Okay. We're in, uh, we're in week five of a 16-week uh, conversation through the gospel of Mark. And, you know, uh, uh, the plan and what we've been doing is that when we end in, in, in chapter 16, that will be Resurrection Sunday. And so we'll get to uh, Easter Sunday on Easter Sunday in Mark. And so um, the goal for this conversation is very simple. It's very straightforward. And what we're saying is we, we believe that a healthy church is a church where faith is being built, where faith is being strengthened. Um, there's all the other things that you can evaluate, but I, I stand here saying, no, no, a healthy church is where faith is being strengthened and not weakened. And so our goal is very straightforward by the time we get to Easter, that I want to be someone, I hope, and I pray that you would be someone that you would look back on Easter Sunday and say, my faith is stronger today than it's ever been. I, I'm more infatuated with Jesus today than I've ever been. Um, not that you've never been um, infatuated with Jesus, never that you had faith, but like the, the point is that, that we would be people who are committed, as Paul says, to be people who are maturing in Christ. And maturing, maturing in Christ is what faith is, right? That God always wants to give you more of himself. He wants to expand your horizons, to broaden your shoulders for the tasks at hand, for the assignment that, he's, that he has for you. And so we simply are just saying when we talk about faith, okay, Lord, we just want to see you for who you are. We just want to see you for who you are, for your, for your power, for your majesty, uh, for your presence. We just want to see you for who you are. And so I, I couldn't think of a better place to focus our attention in the spirit of building faith and on the writings of Mark. Um, as we've been seeing and discovering, Mark, Mark's writing is very clear. It's very straightforward. He, he, he specifically uh, selects events that happened in the life of ministry that he, that he feels is most important for those that want to follow Jesus. As he's writing his case as a testimony to, to Jesus as servant, he's saying these, these are the things that you need to know about him. And, and, and the other gospel writers kind of come at it from different angles and give us a more holistic approach. But Mark's writings about Jesus are, are very specific and they're um, very intentional. And, and the point for Mark and what we also need to gather every, every chapter we're spending in every single week is that Mark's plea to the church is not that you would be someone who just admires the life of Jesus. He was a great guy. Man, he was all about social justice. The way he lifted up the poor, that was really great. Good for you, Jesus. I'll never do that. Now, his plea for whoever's reading this um, is that we would be people who, who then go and replicate the life of Jesus, right? And so that's why he's giving us snapshots. And, and the point of this is for us to gather and be like, wow, Jesus is really great. Can everybody, no, it's to recognize that, okay, this is, this is the mission. This, we can do this stuff. This is stuff that you, we just heard this chapter five. There's crazy stuff happening. But the point for us isn't just to sit back and be like, well, good for you, Jesus. It's like, oh. Wait a second. We can now play a part in that as well. So as a refresher, um, we, last week we, 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 we started and we unpacked this idea. And we, you know, Mark's writings um, show us, all the gospel writings for that matter, and probably the New Testament, 
um, show us that everything Jesus did and everything Jesus said was to point people towards the kingdom of God, right? Um, and so the kingdom of God, what we discovered is heaven coming to earth. Um, it's not full. It's not complete. It will be when Jesus comes back again and restores everything to brand new. But the point is, is that the kingdom of God is when heaven and earth collide. And so what that shows the church today is that we have a mandate. We have a purpose. And that purpose is being people who um, live and establish a kingdom culture here on earth, right? And, and so we talked about last week that and we kept it real broad. I kept it at 40,000 feet because Mark did. And, and we said that we, for, we talked about how that the kingdom of God is living in the power of God in everyday life, right? And, and, and so we, 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 we talked, we said, hey, the, the, when we talk about kingdom of God, when we talk about heaven, we have to be careful and not just think that that's a destination to get to. We've got to remember that it actually affects the way that we live today, that the kingdom of God, Jesus's words, is here. It's right now. And so there's a participation, 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 wow, that happens <laughs> here and now. And so this means that we have something to get on with. It means in the midst of the evil, the midst of the sicknesses, when you read the news about this outbreak, I was like, oh, no, we're, this is how we're all going to die. That's where we go. There's a lot of people now that, like, you know, are like, wow, this is the end, right? That happened to me the first time when I saw Die Hard when they did the yard sale, and it was like technology. I was like, oh, no, this is how the world's going to end. Like, we can, we can just think. And we, this, is, this, is what I, this is why I say that is that we can be people who just see how bad everything is and, and instill a great amount of fear, right? And we can think that evil and sickness and death, that's, that's, all, that's all a bigger reality than things of heaven, than things of kingdom. And, and so when we, we talk about this stuff, well, last week we looked, at, we looked at Revelation 22, and it paints a picture that Jesus will come back, but in the meantime, heaven is all around us today, and it will be made perfect to complete perfection and completeness when he comes back. But on that day, when Jesus comes back, all, all evil, all sickness, all death will be done away with. It will no longer be a reality that we live in. There will be no tears. There will be no pain. There will be no death. This is what Jesus is up to, right? Not just for us to wait. This is actually what he's up to today. That, that Jesus is someone that loves to go wipe the tears off someone's face. That Jesus is someone that loves to bring life into a hopeless situation. That Jesus loves to heal people with pain and aches. This is kingdom culture. So this is, this is all just a taste. You ever had a, good, a good, good taste of something before? Maybe a good filet? And someone's like, you can have a bite. And you're like, oh, can I, have, I want more. Can I have the whole thing? No, not yet. You can buy your own. <laughs> but like this, this just tastes, they taste how good this is, right? Um, this is what we've mastered at Trader Joe's, by the way. You guys want another story, Trader Joe's? We, at the Tustin location, we have the greatest demo station ever. We're basically making meals back there. If you go to other Trader Joe's locations, they're like, oh, here's a little taste of juice. <laughs> We're doing like meals, people. The strategy is simple, right? Taste. You know what? Whatever it is that we're demoing that day, whatever it is, we, we put something together. Don't make it up on the day. You know what? That product's going to sell out that day just because we're letting people taste something, right? So there's an excitement that happens. There's a fervency that happens when you taste something. 
does something in you? How often do we as Jesus followers taste something and we're just good with the taste and we just move on? When the point is, no, no, no. We get the whole thing. That, that, that we should be motivated to step in a little bit more and desire greater things. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Taste and see and then desire and expect. Following me? So I want to get a little bit more practical as it pertains to the kingdom of God. Uh, because this is, what, this is what Mark does in chapter 5. Mark focuses on three stories of healing. Jesus heals a man who's being controlled by an army of demons. Uh, he goes on to then heal a woman with severe medical condition of bleeding. And then he heals a dead 12-year-old girl and brings her back to life. And so what I feel led this morning is not to just pick a story or even just do an expository teaching on all three. Uh, you know, when I was reading this, and Sai and I were reading this, anytime we jumped in my car this week, we read it. Uh, and when you read, when you read the Gospels with a, with a six-year-old, it changes things. Because he picks up on all the things where I'm like, you're too young, I can't explain that to you right now. So he's like, demons? <laughs> like he'll just like shout something. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> this is different with a six-year-old. But, but, but what I feel led to do and focus on these three healing stories um, uh, is to ask the question, why does Jesus heal? Why? Why does he heal? An obvious answer to that is twofold, right? There may be more. Uh, one, because he loves us. Right? These are big answers. Right? Of course, he heals us because he loves us. This is a starting point. It's the absolute truth. Jesus heals because he's madly in love with us. He's madly in love with you. So it's a joy for him to heal you. Two, um, and this is what we're told in, in John 11, verse 4, that God would be glorified. Jesus said this in regards to the death of Lazarus right before he raised him for the dead. He says, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the what? Glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it, right? So Jesus heals because he has a personal devotion to you and to me, but he also heals because of his devotion to God the Father. And so Jesus is motivated by relationship. He's motivated by, by devotion to you and to me. This is, these are the obvious answers, but I don't think those answers stop there. I think they're sufficient. I could teach on them, and I think it would be biblical. And we can all walk out of here being like, Mike doesn't preach heresy. But I think this is just a starting point, those two answers. I think it actually gets deeper, and I think Jesus gets more specific than that. And I think this question gets answered in each of these three stories in three different ways as to why Jesus heals. But before I get there, I think it's important to note that anytime I want to, anytime I just, we preach, and I just preach what's next, that's the beautiful thing about going through a gospel. I just say what the text says. I just preach what the text is, right? But I do think it's important to give a little side note as we talk about healing, that, that while Jesus can heal anyone, he doesn't. He can, right? He can, he can heal anybody he wants. But he just doesn't heal everybody. That, I, you know, I can begin to speculate. Um, I can uh, give some answers. They're not very good answers as to why Jesus heals some and not others. But, but I do know that if I get tripped up with that reality, if it bothers me so much and becomes a barrier with my relationship with Jesus, I'm completely misunderstanding the life of Jesus altogether. Okay? 
I'm not saying we shouldn't ask that question. I'm not saying it shouldn't even bother you. It bothers me, right? But Jesus never claimed, he never, he never showed us that he, his, that he was going to be someone that healed every single person he come into contact with. And we're going to see that in this text. So don't miss this. This is, this is probably the most, probably say that again, this is the most important thing I'll probably say all day that I don't want you to miss. That if we can keep the kingdom of God in our line of sight and recognize that healing will come for all in due time, right? This is the promise. This is what we're moving towards. Then we can be people who are not as much focused on being recipients of the healing of God but instead focus our lives on being kingdom workers that bring healing to the world. So important. This is so important. Uh, there's many, many churches that focus on individual, right? So it creates a culture of coming. I need to get healed for me. And if I don't get healed, I'm upset. I feel ignored. I feel rejected. I don't feel seen. When this is never a message that Jesus promoted, Jesus' primary concern for those who are in the kingdom of God is not that they'll be a recipient of his healing. Is that they will actually be someone who gives it. First give, right? And would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if God never healed you on this side of his kingdom, but used you to heal the many? Would you be okay with that? And how you answer that question, I believe, will undoubtedly shape your faith in Jesus and determine the posture and the resiliency you live within your life. If you can genuinely believe that God can, but it doesn't mean he will, but God may not ever heal me, but maybe he wants to use me, would you be okay with that? And I find it very, very interesting that in the three years of Jesus' life and ministry, with a couple exceptions, he doesn't seem to ever focus on healing with his own disciples. You notice that? Hardly ever, right? The majority of his time is focused on healing other people outside of him, outside of his relationship. From the start, Jesus had been teaching his disciples that when you're in the kingdom of God, you are in regardless of what life throws at you, regardless of what circumstances come your way, regardless if you're sick or regardless if you're healthy, regardless if you're rich or if you're poor. When you're in, you're in. And so when you're in, you know that there's a kingdom culture happening and your eyes, as Paul says, are no longer fixed, what, on earth, but they're postured up at heavenly things. So the physical world doesn't weigh us down. We may feel it, we may feel the pressure, but we're people who know, yeah, this is awful, lost my job this week, but my eyes are set on things above. They're not set on things below. And so for those that are in their primary purpose is not to experience the power of God for themselves, but it's to give it. And I'm sure, just think about the disciples of Jesus. I'm sure they were sick. I'm sure they dealt with sickness. Anybody, anybody was sick this week? Normal thing, right? I'm sure they had aches and pains. I'm sure they were dealing with emotional pain. I'm sure they had friends and family die while they were following Jesus. But for them, their primary focus was not being a recipient of Jesus' healing power, but rather bringing someone or being someone who brought healing to the world. This is the mandate of Jesus. Go. Don't be, but yes, like, it may happen, 
Believe that I can do anything I want. But don't just stop with yourself, right? So, so if we're going to be a church, and this is my plea. This is all just intro. <laughs> if we're going to be a church, but I believe the work is necessary. I believe it's necessary, okay? I believe it's necessary. If we're going to be a church that has eyes on Jesus, that's what we're calling this conversation, then it means we're going to be people who really do understand that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Right? This is the way of Jesus. This is what he's calling us into, the kind of person he's molding you to be in all areas of your life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Making that, you want a mandate for your life, you don't have one, choose that one. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so I think this is, by the way, one of the many reasons why anxiety and fear are so high in our culture. Because we live in a culture that's predominantly, if not 100%, focused on what's going on with me. It's inward focused. What do I have? Right? What kind of recognition do I get? How many followers are following me? What does my boss think of me? What is so-and-so? Right? Like, everything is drawn inward. And we can so easily adapt to that. And so our culture, with the inward focus, it's actually forming selfish people. And so when something goes wrong, we immediately look inward, right? And we freak out, which we should. We get, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we have to understand those are actually selfish emotions. They're inward focused, right? And so this is, this is I'm not making the case, by the way, that that includes those with unbalanced chemicals or medical conditions or anything like that. I'm speaking in general terms. Hear me, please understand, right? I'm not saying that if you have anxiety or depression that you're selfish, I'm saying for many people, that's actually the form, right? And so many people, Jesus followers included, orient their lives around what is best for them. So they store up treasures, they build walls, they, they pursue safety and security. And when the money's gone, when the house foreclosures or the job is lost, fear and anxiety set in. Because the culture is telling you that something's wrong with you. That this is your fault. That you should have tried a little bit harder. Right? It's all inward focused. And so when we talk about when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, it's better to serve than be served. If you want to find your life, he said it in so many ways. You want to find your life, what? Lose it. He said, oh, you want to know what the kingdom of God's like? You want to live in it? You want to live in its power? Well, first shall be last. And last is going to be first. Right? And so this is what Jesus is, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what Jesus wants us to get. This is what healing is about. It's no exception. If you want to see people around you healed, you're going to have to be someone that's okay with seeing everybody else healed, that God might heal everybody else and not you. How powerful can the church get if that's everyone's mentality? Huh? Now that I've offended all of you. Let's get back to the question. Why does Jesus heal? From these three stories, Jesus heals for three main reasons. He heals to redeem, to restore, and to renew. All three of these words are a process. The process can be quick. Uh, the process can be a lifetime. There's no um, set in stone, this is how long it will take for Jesus to redeem, restore, or renew. Jesus can do it like that if he wants to, or he can take as much time as he wants because he's in charge, right? So all three of these are about 
the process of transformation. Are those words familiar with you? Redeem, restore, renew. You've probably heard them before, right? Um, in fact, they were three words when we planted this church we talked a lot about. We're going to be a church where, that, that regularly we see people being redeemed, restored, and renewed. And, and so all three of these are about the process of transformation. All three of these is kingdom culture. And so I want to look at each word a little bit deeper through each story, okay? The first one we see, redeem. Redeem, as you know, means to be set free. It's all about moving from a place of captivity to a place of freedom. This is the story of Israel, right? The story of Israel is a big story. It's a story about a nation, but when you read that, you see Jesus is actually the main character, right, in that? And what he's doing and what he's getting on with in your life and my life today in New Testament is to actually move people from captivity, harsh part of sinfulness, to a place of forgiveness, freedom, right? Getting on with the life that Jesus has. This is what the cross is all about, right? Setting people free from sin and death. And so this is what redeeming is all about. So in this first story, we see that Jesus redeemed a demon-possessed man who was literally spiritually, but also mentally in captivity, right? So this story we see is all about mental transformation. He was overcome uh, with demons. They had made their home in his mind, and whoever this man was before demons entered into his body was completely gone. Whoever whoever he was, whatever his uh, name was, the family he had, brothers, sisters, whatever career he had, was all forgotten. He was now just a demon-possessed man who was crazy, out of his mind, right? And so what happened with, then, this, with this man, this demon-possessed man, is society found that it was best, since he was crazy, he was unpredictable, who knows what he might say, who knows if he would hurt somebody, it's best to just put him in a cave and chain him to the wall and throw away the key. But it didn't work because of the power of the demonic presence in his body. He was able to break those chains. And, and so he, he was a violent, aggressive man. And so this strategy to keep him away, lock him up and throw away the key, proved to be ineffective because of the power of the demons inside of him. So the demons identify themselves in this, with the name Legion. Legion is a Roman military term that consists of 6,000 soldiers. And so... You can make the argument people say that means he had 6,000 demons. I'm not sure that's the proper translation um, of, of doing some work here. I think more so what this demon is saying to Jesus is that they're powerful. Right? The world has nothing on us. We can control people. Anything present in the physical world, we have domain over. Right? Our oppression is great. We can, instill, we can instill fear into whoever we want, except when it comes to the presence of Jesus. That's why when Jesus steps on the scene, this man who's out of his mind, he's crazy, he's being demon-possessed, these demons actually submit to the presence of God. What do you want to do with us? Don't, don't destroy us. Their request was to send them into a herd of pigs of 2,000, which Jesus allows them to do. But I don't want to give you that. I love how the story ends, and it's found in verse 15. And this is what it says. They, which is society, which is the town that this demon-possessed man was living in, came to Jesus. They're upset, right? All these pigs, 
That was our sense of wealth. That was how we were going to like eat. <laughs> this, was, this was everything to us. So they came and saw when Jesus was there, the demon-possessed man was sitting there dressed and what? In his right mind. And they were afraid. They were afraid. Jesus redeemed this man's mind. It was broken, and now it's right. In other words, he brought freedom to a mind that was kept in captivity. And, and I just think for a second, like, there's a battle going on for our minds. If anything, this is an epidemic in our culture today. It was the same thing in the life of ministry of Jesus, right? Um, there was an honesty with that. That there is a battle going on for our minds, and Satan will do whatever he can to bring the minds of people into captivity, to keep them from seeing Jesus, to keep them from being in the presence of Jesus. And again, I think this is why Paul encourages set your minds on things above. Don't set your minds on things below. And so Satan, when he talks about when we talk about being captive with your minds, he can do it in extreme ways, like this story, for sure. But most likely. He's just going to do it in very subtle ways, right? He's going to use your own thoughts. He's going to use your own circumstances to keep your mind in captivity. But the point of the story is this. Jesus wants to renew, redeem your mind. He wants to set your mind free from earthly things and instead fill your mind with heavenly things, kingdom things. So what are the things holding your mind captive? What are the things that keep you awake at night? What's keeping your mind focused on earthly things. That's what this story lends us to address. How can we shed those things away and remove them, invite Jesus in, and allow him to redeem our minds? Number two, restore. Restoration's a different than redemption in that restoration's all about physical transformation, right? If you're here and you love to work on things or you like to take things that were old, you see the beauty in them and what the restoration process is making them like new, right? That's what it's all about. And so restoration's about a physical transformation. So this next story of a woman we had, uh, we learned about that she had severe bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus healed and restored her physically. And so rest, restoration uh, is for those who are sick. Restoration are for those who have disease. Restoration's for those who have physical pain for a little time or for a long time. The story and what we see here is that Jesus is, in fact, the greatest physician ever, right? This woman was at a very low point. Lots of doctor's visits. Been there? Not getting answers, right? This woman had put her faith in doctors. Not saying we shouldn't. We should. They're great, right? But she had gone everywhere and just kept getting bad news after bad news after bad news and was getting lower and lower and lower. And then she had the moment, oh, I've heard about this man named Jesus who's a great physician. And I believe he, I believe he can heal me. I don't know that he will, but I believe he can. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get in his presence. I'm just going to be with Jesus. And if he wants to heal me, he'll heal me. If he doesn't, at least I was with Jesus, right? And so she's motivated to just get in the presence of Jesus. I can't imagine for someone that was in this place, um, the level of embarrassment, right? 
the level of just being at rock bottom and never actually thinking that anything's ever going to get better. She had to be desperate with all the bad news and all the lack of answers. And all of that was done away with by just reaching out and touching Jesus. And out of all of this, that Jesus asks of us, when we pray for healing, just come to him. Please don't miss this. Just come to him believing that he could. That's it. Whether or not he does is not up to us. He's just looking for people. He's just looking for a church that genuinely believes that he could do anything he wants. Right? When we talk about someone, you know, we can, you didn't get healed because of faith. You didn't have enough. Not the, right, not the right judgment to make on anybody, by the way. All Jesus is looking for are followers that believe he could. If he doesn't, it's not up to me. And I'm good with whatever happens. But if we believe he could, then we'll pray for everything. We'll be people who ask for everything. Recognizing that it's completely up to him. Remember the kingdom philosophy here, right? Like, we got to be people. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So we're going we're gonna to be quick to ask. That's why Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Be quick to ask for what you need. The Heavenly Father knows, but ask, right? And so do you believe that Jesus can physically restore anyone? Do you believe Jesus to be the great physician? Do you believe that Jesus, do you believe that the physical world submits to Jesus? Do you believe he's more powerful than the things we can see touch here do you believe he's bigger than all that if so then pray to him for physical healing doesn't mean he will but he can and that's our motivation third renew the final reason jesus heals has to do with his desire to renew renew is it means just to to breathe new life it means to Bring new life. So redeem is a mental transformation. Restore is a physical transformation, which means that renewing is an internal transformation. Not of the mind, not of the body, but of the heart. Jesus heals this little girl who, that had died. But I think the, the most important element of this story is that, yes, Jesus heals her, and she had to be so confused. Right? I'm sure she's very excited, too. But do you notice that Jesus heals? Yeah, he heals because he loves her, but he heals because of where people are at in the room. The story, the way that Mark writes this, is when Jesus stepped into this room, all Jesus hears and sees are people weeping, crying. There is emotional distress in the house. There's an acceptance that death has had the final word over there. And so Jesus steps into a room full of people with emotional and I think here, what Jesus is showing us is that the re, that renewal is a per, there is a purpose in it, but it's this: renewal takes place when you're overcome with emotional pain, right? And that emotional pain has completely taken over your life. Any sense of hope, any sense of love, any sense of joy, any sense of pain are gone. And this is where. Jesus shows up to renew. This is where Jesus shows up to bring love. This is where Jesus shows up to bring hope or to bring 
joy or to bring peace. This is we, this entire house where this little girl. Can you imagine the hopelessness? She died too too soon. Yeah. This wasn't the plans that we had for our family. So Jesus steps in, and shows, I'm near to the broken. I care about your emotional pain, and I'm not okay with that. That is not kingdom culture. That is not the way I intend things to be. Have you ever been in this place? Have you ever had emotional pain where your heart is just broken for somebody or it's broken because of a circumstance you find yourself in? Your heart is full of despair, depression, fear, anxiety, and you feel like it's just taken over. But it's in this place that Jesus announces in this story that emotional pain does not have the final word. This is not the end. This is not how things are going to go. It may be like that in the physical world, but in the kingdom world, this will not be. This is not okay. Jesus loves to heal those who are overcome with emotional pain. I love, this is one of my favorite things to see Jesus actually do in somebody. I love to see the physical healings. I've seen it. I love to see people, um, I love to see people's minds healed of fear and anxiety. But more so, I love it when you actually see God take somebody who's hard-hearted, Take someone that's just ridden with pain and with grief and stands them back up. And they're able to move forward. They recognize how hard things are, but they're like, oh, but I saw Jesus. I experienced his love in that pain. I saw the way that he came alongside of me, the people he brought alongside of me. And although I don't know why that's happening, I don't know what the point of all this is, Jesus transformed my heart. And he met me in that space. I love watching Jesus do that with people. And this is what the story of this dead young girl is all about. The room that Jesus stepped into was full of hopelessness. It was overflowed with people that were full of emotional pain. And Jesus healed that moment. He overcame it and renewed it. What What does this mean for us? What does Jesus do? He heals this girl and he renews her soul. And all throughout the house, posture, right? Now there's hope. Now there's joy. And eyes are opened and broadened to what it is that God, in fact, who he is. The pains of this world almost take us, they take a second class to everything else, right? Like, oh my gosh, there is more. There is something else greater going on. And the good news for us is this. Are you overcome with emotional pain? Do you know someone who's overcome with emotional pain? Jesus is all about renewal. This is what he does. And so we can pray for him to bring renewal to all circumstances. This is who he is. It's never too late. There is still hope. So if you feel hopeless... We want to just speak hope into you this morning. If you feel like this is it, if you feel like, if you're, if you're believing the lie, that how life is today is just going to be how it always is going to be, I think Jesus has something else to say about that. You follow me? If you really believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive, I'm about to introduce you to a whole new way of life. This isn't prosperity. This is the opposite, by the way. This, you preach this message, your church will shrink. Right? Right? 
It's, 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 not, it's not about give more money to the church and God's going to bless. No, no, no. It's, that's not what we're trying to say here, right? We're talking about a life lived in sacrifice. We're talking about a life that pushes others forward, that actually put yourself back, right? And Jesus wants to introduce to us to a whole countercultural way of living that is, in fact, kingdom culture. It's a way of redeeming, <coughs> restoring, and renewing. And this is the adventure that we are on as a people. All right. That's Mark chapter 5. Next week we'll be in Mark chapter 6. Nathan will be preaching. And it's going to be fire. But what I want to do, um, uh, and we're going to invite our worship up, and we're just going to, we're going to have some worship and response time. And part of response is, is communion. And so we have communion set up um, over there. Uh, Miles, where is it? Your bread, is that it? Oh, Miles, um, because we believe in using your gift, part of our family, it was a big part of that, participatory. Yeah, he saw our weak communion bread in the past and baked fresh sourdough bread for us to have. Um, so enjoy communion a little bit more this morning. But, but if I can, if I can um, keep you just for another minute, as if I'm like keeping you, I know that's weird. I'll let you out of here in just a second. <laughs> really anything to be a part of, right? Um, I, 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 think, I, I think it's just appropriate for this morning, for number one, to, to identify which, which, which one of those words speaks to you right now, but also in a sense of, like, how can you be someone who brings um, uh, redemption, restoration, and renewal to the world? First and foremost, that, right? Like, there, that has to happen outside of this place, um, and there has to be a yes and a willingness to recognize that this is a space for the Holy Spirit to pour in, to lift weary heads, to build faith, so that we can take his mandate and go, right? To actually be people who are fueled and energized to, 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 and understand it's more blessed to give and receive, but we have to be poured into, right? There has to be a time for us to call upon the name of the Lord, and to recognize some stuff and say, yeah, I need prayer. I, I, want, I want to do this. What you're saying sounds really good. It sounds better than the life I'm living. And so I, I envision it to be more of a commissioning, but, but all that to say, I want to pray. <laughs> like I, I, I want us to be a church from this point forward to give us language to believe that when we gather and when we pray, we are believing and praying to a God that can do anything he wants to do. He doesn't need my words, but he wants my faith, right? Whether someone's praying for you, to not be focused on, gosh, this is, do I think I'm, like, my eyes weird, or my, is my hair done, or like, gosh, am I, do I smell? Um, is God not going to do anything? That will be awfully embarrassing. Forget all that. Can't we just get prayed for? We just believe that God can do it. He'll do it. He, if he does it, I want to be that person that receives it. But if not, at least I was prayed for. If not, at least I was loved on. And, and man, what great opportunities to lay hands on people. God, do whatever you want to do. We believe it. You can do it. What kind of spirit would that do here? What kind of, how would that fuel your faith that when you're talking to a God that can do all things, nothing is impossible. This is the God we talk to. This is the God we pray to. All right. I want to pray for people with emotional pain. 
um, specifically, we're gonna get very specific. If this doesn't speak to anybody, then we'll just pray for emotional pain. That's a big one. I wanna pray for people who are struggling in the workforce. Um, Matt mentioned unemployment. We have other people in here that are looking for jobs, but maybe like your work situation is depleting you. It's causing a tremendous amount of pain, pressure. Uh, maybe you've got a boss that's oppressive. Maybe you've got a coworker who's just mean. Work may not be enjoyable for you. I want to pray for the people who are experiencing oppression in the workplace. Um, knowing specifically that that is potentially, I'm not, this is not the word of the Lord, but that is a space that the Lord wants to use you in. And so you have to go into that place with renewal. You have to go in that place with clear vision. It's not a wasted space. That is a ministry field, okay? And so, um, we turn this, yeah. How I want to do this is, is uh, and hey, if you're here and you're like, I, I'm, my work is great. Gosh, I'm making millions. I've got retirement going. I'm going to be retiring at the age of 39. You guys are all suckers. Well, first of all, go to Hillsong. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm, I'm so sorry if I offended somebody. It will not be the first time. <laughs> um, you can pray then, all right? You can pray for people. Um, God bless it if you are in a job that you love and you're thriving. That is a blessing, right? I think that's what God wants for everybody, okay? And so, um, what we're going to do is pray for those people. So, if you can be vulnerable, Matt already led the way in this. He set the tone. If you are having experiencing oppression at your workplace, will you just put your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Okay. Three. Jane, keep your hand up. Caleb, keep your hand up. Robin, keep your hand up. Anybody else, this is your time to shine. Alan, you had your hand up too. And Matt, yeah. Um, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for these four, all right? And so I'm just going to take it that everyone else here, you are thriving. You are doing great in your workplace. Just kidding. If you feel like it's just too much for you to respond, God sees you where you are, all right? And you can just confess in your heart, Lord, I, 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 need, I need you to bring life into my workplace. I need you to reinvigorate my soul. He'll hear that just as much as he sees someone's hand, okay? All right, for the four that raised their hand, we want to pray for you. So, Janae, do you mind standing? Caleb, you are the man. Thank you for being bold. You've also got a Caleb right next to you. I don't know if you've met. <laughs> um, Robin and Alan. Alan, slides will be all right. Just leave them. Um, okay, so if, 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 if we can just get family members to surround them, um, dialogue, if you want to dialogue, this doesn't have to be a mystery. If you want to just speak about that oppression, whatever it is, just share it with the people around you. And we're just going to have a couple songs and I'll come up, but let's just, let's just pray for one another. If you just need some time just to receive and be, receive and be. All right. But for those that are willing leaders in the room, um, please, please, please let's, let's get around our family members and pray. Okay. Um, and communion is open and ready for the, for those that are ready.